For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Baseball Insiders, the show where I'll make sure to stare directly into Robert Burry's eyes the entire time instead of looking sideways for even one second so that nobody is suspicious of me. I'm Adam Weiner <laughs> alongside Robert Burry, of course, fan side, it's MLB Insider, and uh, we have passed a milestone. We thank everybody for joining us every Monday and Thursday at 3.30 Eastern, and if you're not joining us on video, we thank you for joining us on your preferred podcast platform where we are also available in audio only uh but today on the stream this is the first ever live stream where we are past the 1000 subscriber mark we did it robert murray uh we're gonna stop here right we're gonna stop trying to get anybody to subscribe and we're we're good at a thousand two right we can just cut it out yep i'm, I'm done recruiting we're a thousand and two we, we've reached our limit uh just kidding no we we're, we're gonna try to rack them up here aren't we adam and if you're here and you haven't subscribed yet you want to be a part of racking it up, uh, welcome uh, to the show. Uh, we'd be welcome. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we welcome you. We're, we're happy to have you. Uh, we are going to be talking today, of course, uh, about the, the Yankees and Blue Jays uh, narrative that have taken over uh, all Major League Baseball discourse this week. Um, we, I just did a Yankees podcast. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about it with it uh, in a more unhinged tone, I recommend you try out that. But if you're a Yankee fan, you'll enjoy that podcast. If you're a Blue Jays fan, you will not. But I've been excited to talk to you about it, Robert, because I feel like most specifically, without going into the nitty gritty, uh, without going into who did what, and yes, we will talk about Domingo Herman, that part of the whole thing, which is all caps cheating. That's cheating. And he's been suspended for it. Um, the Aaron Judge of it all, I think there were a lot of responsible parties here. I think a lot of people were being irresponsible. I was very disappointed in Blue Jays management. I was surprised with the way that manager John Schneider handled all of this. Um, all of this is to say, I think we've been a little Astros poisoned lately. And I think everybody looks at every situation that's just good old fashioned gamesmanship. And all of a sudden it's viewed in this Astros lens of cheating in the same way. Never mind that Pitchcom exists now. Never mind that it's harder than ever to get signs. Just every little tell, every tipped pitch is suddenly viewed as this massive cheating scandal by the aggrieved party. So I guess what I'm trying to ask here is how much time should Aaron Judge be spending in jail? Life in prison. Yeah, I was worried you'd say that. I thought that might be the case. Yeah. Um, no, just kidding. He Everything that he ended up doing, what Aaron Judge did, was perfectly legal. Uh, Jay Jackson, who was on the mound for the Blue Jays, was tipping his pitches. He even admitted so. And the Yankees' first base coach had a perfect view of it and was able to relay that to Aaron Judge. That has been done. It's been done for decades. It's been done for 
as long as I've been alive, as long as my dad's been alive, as long as my grandpa's been alive, like it's, it's just part of baseball. Um, and it's unfortunate that the Astros situation is kind of, um, muddied that a bit. Um, just because like what we, what, what the Astros did was totally illegal. What judge and the Yankees did totally fine. Um, they were able to get a competitive advantage doing it the right way. They did it and pointed judge. He punted that ball to the moon. Um, like that, I don't have any issues with it. The blue Jays shouldn't have any issues with it. The Yankees did nothing wrong. I think what I have issues with is, is not look, if I got got, if I get my position, if I give my positioning away, Will Middlebrooks sort of went into this, talked about Alejandro Kirk setting up on the outside part of the plate, every single pitch with his leg down on the dirt, sort of giving away the location of the slider. Meanwhile, you got Jackson tipping the pitch. And so you have judge being able to spit on these balls that fall outside because he knows where they're going to be and he knows what they're going to be. Then he gets a hanger in the middle of the plate. So that's sort of how it all got translated. I have no issue with the Blue Jays being upset that they allowed that to happen, right? They should be frustrated. They should be frustrated that in a 6 nothing game, they let their guard down a little bit and they allow the Yankees first base coach to pick up on something and Kirk is sliding over. They know where the ball is going to be and they know what it's going to be. Um, it should frustrate them, but they spent a lot of time blaming the Yankees coaches for standing outside the coaches boxes down the lines while the Jays coaches were photographed repeatedly outside those same boxes. And then in the middle of the second game of the series, which, oh, by the way, judge won again with a late tie breaking home run. You had Schneider and company getting out of the dugout and screaming because they noticed in the third inning, the coaches were outside the box again. Coaches never stay in the box and they mostly avoid the box because Players hit the ball 120 miles an hour these days, and they want to stand somewhere where they're less likely to get hit by a baseball. I I had a problem with how much complaining and and snitching to Major League Baseball and going, we're going to talk to MLB and see if they have an issue with the the coaches and where they're standing. That's just grandstanding. That's obscuring the real issue here. Oh, that absolutely is. And that's just – it's petty. It's like I I don't understand it. And the Yankees and Blue Jays, they're better than that. And the fact that they had – John Schneider uh, call one of the Yankees coaches fat boy. Yes. What, what the hell um, that it was just, it was too much. It was just totally pointless. And it took away from what was a great series. Um, like that was a highly entertaining series. I mean, even without uh, that little brouhaha, I mean, I don't even know if that's what you want to call it. Um, but it was uh, yeah, it, it took away from that entire series and it kind of felt like, Watching that, maybe was it a rivalry before? In your eyes, I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I think Toronto has had a weird time defining this rivalry, and they really want to be a part of it. And yeah. maybe this was all a concerted effort, but you know, to get a rivalry going. But it does feel like the two teams' trajectories have never totally lined up. Like Agreed. 2015, when Toronto was their last peak with the David Price trade and Encarnacion, Batista, Donaldson, like that team, when they were developing in 13, 14, 15, the Yankees were weak and they were just sort of, I mean, they'd come into the Bronx, they'd stomp them. The Yankees would go up there, they'd stomp them. The Yankees would occasionally win a couple, but you look at the lineup and the Blue Jays looked more like what the Yankees had historically. Like they had this ridiculous meat of the order. They made the huge trade deadline acquisition. 
in price. And so 2015, they technically stormed back and took the AL East from the Yankees, but that was an overperforming veteran Yankees team. And that was a Blue Jays team that went the extra mile. That's the closest they'd ever been to really lining up their two courses of action. But yeah, last year, th- there's been a lot of Blue Jays talk for a while. You know, in the comments, Vlad saying they're the easiest team to beat in baseball. Vlad this year saying I'll never sign with the Yankees, even if I'm dead, and then doubling down on it. Uh, Vlad, and yes, by the way, we will get to the Herman stuff in the comments. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, worry about it. We're, yeah. we're on to bring Herman, sadly. Um, and and uh, Alan Manoa, yeah. We got a trade. Ooh, go for it. Uh, Baltimore Orioles and the Royals have just made a trade. Uh, let's see. I don't know if – let's see. Or, hey, we got it live on air. Adley Rutschman for Bobby Wood Jr., I assume. Uh, Robbie Glendinning is being traded to the Orioles. He's reporting to AAA. There we go. I'm tweeting it right now. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. 27-year-old uh, third baseman from Perth, Australia, I believe. Yeah, dude, we've been talking about that for ages. <laughs> you and I have been sitting on that one for at least a month. Feels yeah, good. It's, it's very ironic that it comes right when someone is asking me if I'm going to talk about the Dominguez Herman thing. And I'm like, I promise, I promise I will. But then we, we're like, no, actually, we're going to talk about the Glenn Denning trade instead. That's huge, though. That's what you, That's the only thing you can get on a – you can only get that on Baseball Insiders. You're not going to get that broken anywhere else. No, exactly. I'm going to tweet this real quick. Uh, yeah. But the, 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 the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays like want to be a part of this. Alec Manoa this offseason – uh, and Alec Manoa probably regrets fitting himself at the center of any of this stuff based on the way his season's going. But he uh, he said Garrett Cole is the biggest cheater in Major League Baseball history. And it was on <coughs> like Serge Ibaka's cooking show. And then this year he was kind of like, well, what did you want me to say? Like if I hadn't said that, he would have fed me bugs or whatever. But it's just everywhere you look, it's this modern Blue Jays team wants to wants a part of the Yankees. They want a piece of the Yankees. Um, Vlad Jr. last year when they win a, a game in September and prevent the Yankees from clinching, yells, this is my house, walking around the field. And, like, that's cool. That's fine. But then the Yankees won the next four games against the Jays. It's not exactly defending your house in, in Toronto. Um, and the Jays do punch back yesterday, right? They get a Danny Jansen walk-off home run. You're right. Uh, I don't think this has quite been a rivalry yet. I think this series is maybe going to go a long way towards starting that rivalry. Uh, but what I do know is that before, I don't know how much Aaron Judge was engaged in the creation of a Yankees-Blue Jays rivalry. And now I know that Aaron Judge, the Bear, has been poked. Um, he, he homered to extend the lead to 7 nothing in the first game. That game ultimately kind of went down to the wire and finished 7-4. He wins the controversial game with a two-run home run off a Maple Leaf, which is the most symbolic place you can hit a home run that beats a Canadian team. Uh, you're not going to get more on the nose than drilling a home run off a maple leaf. Um, so all I have to say is I think this is this is now becoming a rivalry. And Vlad Jr. and Manoa were already all the way in on poking the Yankees. Now Aaron Judge sort of said, all right, now you cross the line. And now I'm awake, too. Like, when, when you play the Yankees, I'm here. I want to beat you as much as you want to beat me. No, exactly. And uh, sorry, I'm a little bit distracted from that of entire course. thing. Um, but that, that was, a, that was something we've been talking about for a while. So I was kind of cool that ended up having that happen, but, um, hopefully we have some bigger ones come 
toward the trade deadline. So that would be even more exciting. But but anyways, uh, what were you saying, Adam? Well, let's move it to the Herman stuff, because I think I was just justifying the fact that this probably is becoming a rivalry. Uh, yep. Obviously, a burner is upset. The uh, the Tampa Bay Rays stranglehold on the division stranglehold. Word me, put me in the dictionary. Stranglehold. Um, it's getting a little lighter by the day. It's suddenly only if the Orioles can rally back here, it's just going to be a two and a half game lead, I believe. Although I'm not sure that they will. Uh, bottom line: way too much attention was paid in this series to cheating that never happened, uh, yep. and the Blue Jays announcers creating cheating out of thin air and kind of talking about, uh, you know. Man, that that you know, just them saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, and then the post game and pregame guys saying they should they should drill judge and way too much swirling over there. In reality, Domingo Herman did cheat in the second game of this series, but the Yankees had a real disadvantage because he was caught with sticky stuff for the second time in a month. It was just a month ago at the same umpiring crew. He got caught against the twins for some reason, did not get ejected. Now he's been ejected, suspended for 10 days, and cannot be replaced on the roster. And add insult to injury, Ian Hamilton, one of their best relievers, comes in to clean up that mess and leaves with a stiff groin, and now he is on the injured list. Um, I suspect I know the answer, but I am kind of wondering, this is a pretty big, uh, you know, this is a, this is a bad move by Herman. This is foolishness. The fact that he does not have the awareness to be more careful after getting away with it the first time is embarrassing. Puts his team in a bind with, you know, another five games after the suspension without an off day then one off day and they go face the Orioles. Yeah. Is there any chance this is the last straw for him with this team or at least fractures the relationship somewhat? He's going to have to be very careful moving forward because he's going to be watched pretty carefully here by umpires. And if he's got, I mean, it's, he's got a history now and that's going to end up following him um, until he can end up clearing his name. Um, and that's going to require just, being very careful with that. But I don't think that the Yankees are going to end up being in the position where they can move on from him. I don't think that's necessarily something they can do um, because they're really struggling for pitching depth. Um, he's someone when he's on the mound, he's pitched very well. Um, he's been, he's got good numbers. Um, and put, he's had a, what three, seven, three, eight ERA this year, somewhere in that ballpark. I want to say. Yeah, let me get you the exact because he, he has been pitching well, and I believe he had uh, he entered that game with forty seven Ks and forty innings. Uh, he's yeah. down to three. He's down to three seven five. Yeah, so forty nine Ks and forty eight innings. Um, yeah. it's it's a good season. Oh ninety WHIP. I mean, there's a reason. He's one of the reasons this team has been surviving, but yep. just an absolute misjudgment here and, and completely foolish at the wrong time. No, exactly. And it's, as I said before, he's going to end up being someone who's watched very carefully because he's got a reputation now as someone who uses the sticky stuff. Um, he's had a prior track record before this, and this is only just going to further bolster it um, and for the wrong reasons. So um, this puts the Yankees in a big bind, though, because, they can, as you said, they can't replace him on the roster um, while he's serving the suspension. And it puts what's already a pretty like, limited and um, pitching staff like puts more of a strain on them and we saw with Ian Hamilton uh, recently where he's now dealing with that groin injury not good Adam uh, not good at all um, thankfully they have Aaron Judge so I mean they're they're gonna at least have the offensive firepower to maybe overcome that in the short term here yeah and they're gonna get out of this eight game stretch with Tampa and Toronto with at worst a four and four record so could have been much worse obviously a burner it is confusing 
to me. Like I, I want to say, of course, his success is just because of the sticky stuff, but it, the RPMs were not decidedly up in the last start. This umpiring crew clearly uh, was trying to make up for, you know, maybe past transgressions that they ignored. Um, everything with him is pretty consistent, and, and he claims he puts Rosin on in the dugout. Uh, the umpiring crew the other day, like a month ago, declared it was Rosin, and then yesterday, two days ago, they declared it wasn't. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really want to believe anything he has to say. I don't think he's a pitcher that deserves fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances, especially with his track record. Um, 2019, he was suspended under the domestic violence policy, right? For me, that's kind of – that's the end of my road. I don't really need to hear – um, excuses or bettering themselves. Look, I'm not in the locker room and I don't get to make that decision. But when that happens, I'm good to move on. A lot of people weren't. The Yankees were not. Now they have to deal with this other transgression of, of a completely different kind. So they welcome Luis Severino back on Sunday. He can only throw like 75 pitches. They lost Ian Hamilton from the bullpen. I think they're going to have to really pass together this next four-game stretch. Oh, they absolutely are. And it's going to take some very creative work here by Aaron Boone, by Brian Cashman, by that entire organization to overcome it. Um, I am very curious to see exactly what they're going to do, um, because it's going to take probably some of Boone's best work uh, to do it. But um, I honestly, I feel relatively confident that they'll be able to do it. I guess we'll have to see, though. That's going to be one of the more interesting storylines that follow in the next, like, five to ten days. Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, sorry, uh, obviously, Burner. Yeah, the, the FAN guy is a genius. You guys are all cheating, of course. That That's sort of how that goes. Um, well, that's enough for the New York Yankees. I don't want to talk about my dumb team too much, and uh, I don't want to give the Blue Jays, uh, the, the manager and the broadcasters, all the people who riled everybody up, too much credit for riling up the tornado here. And again, the Domingo Herman stuff, actual cheating, the Aaron Judge stuff, not cheating and barely even uh, untoward, kind of just how the game works. Although Lance Lynn did say if he caught Aaron Judge peeking at the dugout during an at-bat, he would drill him in the ribs, which, again, I found interesting because, I don't know, it seems like the most normal thing of all time. But I'm not out there. I'm not on the mound. Lance Lynn, do what you want. Um, let's talk about the, the Dodgers a little bit because yep. – they lose uh, They lose starting depth last year. They lose Walker Bueller in the middle of the season. They lose their ace. They have to navigate through the playoffs with Julio Arias and Clayton Kershaw and question mark, question mark. Tony Gonsolin doesn't really have it by the time the postseason rolls around. Suddenly the Padres upend them. Dustin May comes back this year. That's a big part of the puzzle. Comes back from Tommy John at the end of last year, and finally this year he's supposed to be reinserted in the rotation for good. His elbow flared up yesterday in a start. The flexor strain, he's going to miss four to six weeks, supposedly, but I don't know how you can be that confident in that timeline. I think this this is important to me for this season, obviously, because the Dodgers are behind the eight ball here, but it also has me thinking about the future of the rotation in L.A. where Urias is not signed beyond this year. Nope. Bueller is coming back from Tommy John and thinks he's getting back in September, but nobody else seems to think that. Dave Roberts says no way. Gonsolin, I don't know if he's a long-term piece, you know, definitely not a top of the rotation. It may be a three or a four, but sure. not a one. Uh, Kershaw is 35 years old. You're you're losing these high upside guys for the Dodgers. Um, so 2023, this matters a ton in the immediate future. But beyond 2023, it's even more uncertain in L.A. 
It absolutely is. And it makes your mind go in a lot of different directions. Uh, but for right now, I'll stick with Dustin May and then I'll expand after that. Yeah. The good news with Dustin May is that initially it looked like his UCL was intact. And that is extremely important for him, especially considering what he's coming back from. Um, his flexor tendon never healed properly um, during the recovery from Tommy John, and it caused some discomfort. So the plan for right now is for May to receive a PRP shot. And if all goes well, he could be back in four to six weeks, um, or at least somewhere in that ballpark. If things don't go well, then we might be talking about season-ending surgery. Um, I think the Dodgers and May are both optimistic that um, they're going to avoid that doomsday scenario where he's going to miss the rest of the year. Um, but these next four to six weeks are going to be extremely important for him, for that Dodgers rotation. Um, and speaking of that Dodgers rotation, if if May is injured – well, since May is injured again, you have Walker Buehler coming back from Tommy John. You have Julio Urias, as you said, who's a free agent at the end of the year. They're going to need some pieces. Obviously, there was so many people who thought that their inactivity this past winter was because they were eyeing Shohei Otani. And Shohei Otani, not only is he a great power hitter, not only is he a great hitter, but he's a freaking good pitcher, too. It makes you wonder, couldn't they – like? It just makes the fit make even more sense. Um, th- that to, the Dodgers to me are the team to watch for Otani in the offseason. Um, and their rotation instability going forward, I think, is a big reason for that. In addition, uh, obviously, you can never have too many bats and Shohei Otani's bat in that lineup. And in, also that his arm in that rotation may just be too good for them to pass up. They should try to get him at a discount by banning him from hitting. How about that? Has anybody thought about that? Like maybe it's only a two hundred million dollar contract if he's only a pitcher. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. People forget. <laughs> yeah, that's Adam Weiner masterclass right there. We love it. <laughs> Tenting my fingers, coming up with my evil plan to stop Tony from earning another three hundred million dollars. Yeah, I mean you're you're a hundred percent right, and it it is kind of hilarious that the two teams that we've all pegged for Otani are you got to watch the Dodgers and, oh, look, they don't have a rotation really at all beyond this year. And and Urias is a Boris client. They don't really sign those long-term. And then the other team is the Mets. And it's like, oh, look, their rotation is also falling apart and is fronted by two 40-year-olds. So, like, yeah, you know what? It's 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 The need is, is calcifying for both of those teams. But I agree. It, the Dodgers payroll is emptier, and it's even more obvious. No, it absolutely is. And – um, Otani with that roster would be a wild time. Uh, cause I, I think that that team would just be in a league of its own. And I think Otani being there would also, um, it probably could tempt Clayton Kershaw to pitch another year. Um, because we're talking about a historically great pitcher historically great player, I should say. And you would think that Kershaw would want to have an opportunity to one play with him, but also compete for a world series with him too. You're yeah, you're 100% right. And, and obviously a burner. I, I don't know. I mean, like he's got a he does have a responsibility to set a precedent in this contract. So in terms of leaving money on the table, you, you never want that to be the conversation after you signed a big deal. But also, 
aren't the Dodgers both the best situation and the team that will offer him the most money? You'd have to think. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and plus two, it's interesting with that's, that's a good question. Uh, Mr. Obviously a burner. Um, sir, because CAA is who represents Otani and they had Trey Turner, um, t- turned down 50 million less to sign with the Philadelphia Phillies. He was offered like 350 million from the San Diego Padres, but wanted to be in Philadelphia and, um, and ultimately sign with the Phillies for 300 mil. Uh, they also represented Brian Reynolds. They did that extension with the Pirates. And I think both Reynolds, I think Reynolds realized that if he got on the open market, he would have made a decent amount more. And the agent's job is to work for the player. And wherever Otani wants to go, I mean, it's their job to make it happen. They've had a history of doing it. So I guess you can't rule anything out in terms of like possibly taking less money because it's what the player wants. But no matter what, Otani is going to be paid an absolute shitload. Um, there's there's no real denying that. It's just a matter of of how much higher um, than I think $500 million that will go. He's got a shitload of money coming to him again unless they ban him from hitting. So, Rob Manfred, please consider my uh, modest proposal. No, if, if anything, they ban him from pitching, and then the Dodgers are boned. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We got extension. People are yelling extension. In the comments, people are saying extension, extension. People just keep saying the word extension. We got a little bit of extension rumblings, at least a little bit. Um, We're eyeballing the Pirates and Mitch Keller because the Pirates are obviously in extension mode. They get the Reynolds move done. Brian, Ben, uh, Ben Charrington the other day on uh, Pittsburgh radio. This is May 14th. This is Sunday says no news to share on the contract. There are guys who check boxes for what we want to try and do a contract. Mitch is in that category. No question. We'd love for Mitch to be a pirate for a long time. So do we have any potential updates here? Keller was sort of a hidden gem, former top prospect that maybe a lot of teams thought they could unearth for a while. Last year, he finally starts to reach that potential ERA under four. But I think still a lot of people this offseason are like, is this the Keller offseason? Did we go grab him now? Nobody gets their hands on him. And now he's a Cy Young candidate player of the week last week in Pittsburgh. So I think, that's the next one that you look at and go, the Pirates wanted controllable young pitching in any Reynolds trade. They're not going to let controllable young pitching in Mitch Keller actually walk out the door, are they? I don't see any scenario in which, that's hap- in which, in which that happens. And we got to see it happen in, in years past with Garrett Cole, um, who was, had all the talent in the world, obviously didn't put it all together in Pittsburgh, but they traded him uh, for an absolute haul. Then he turned into one of the best pitchers in baseball. And Keller started off on a similar trajectory. He was a highly touted prospect, um, never really put it together, showed signs for sure. And then this year, he's put it all together and looks like a, just a dominant ace. And sources tell me that they have been talking for quite a while. Um, no deal is done. No deal as of last check last night was close. 
Um, so I don't know necessarily when it would happen. I, I don't think it's imminent, but the Pirates, they have shown they're not afraid of doing in-season extensions with this Brian Reynolds one. So I can't imagine um, that would hold him back now. But the Pirates want Keller. They think he can end up being a frontline starter for them going forward. He should certainly show that he's capable of doing it this year. Um, and from all accounts, Keller likes being with the Pirates. And it is really cool to see the Pirates spending money. I mean, obviously they spent seven mil- or $70 million on Key Brian Hayes last year, $106.75 million on Brian Reynolds. I don't know what a Mitch Keller extension would look like, but the Pirates and spending money is not something that was typically like put together in the same sentence until like the last 15 to 16 months. And it's happening. It's all, it's all happening as uh, Sheena from Vanderpump rules says it's all happening. Um, in the comments, just want to ping real quick that uh, Vivek mystery says, uh, what about the Cubs and Stroman? I know Marcus Stroman has recently expressed interest in staying in Wrigley long-term and I don't know why he wouldn't. He, he seems to be a nice fit there. Um, anything substantive there of any kind. I don't think so. Um, I would want to check on that, but I have not heard anything uh, that would suggest that's in the works. Okay. Well, we'll keep our feet on the gas pedal there and and keep checking back to the show. Hopefully we'll have something for you next time. Um, Before we leave, just before we sign off, we talked about potential trade candidates who'd be available at the deadline on last show. We came up with our own list. MLB.com published one today, and I just wanted to ping a couple people who we did not mention uh, some of them I think we could have. We just didn't. But um, just throwing more names into the fire and, and wondering if you've heard any buzz about any of these guys. The people we miss, really. Uh, Tim Anderson, which that's a that's a fit for a couple teams that need a shortstop. Jack Flaherty got mentioned. Our oldest Chapman, which is an LOL, obviously. Sorry. I guess I just didn't want to talk about him again. But, of course, there's one. Um, and uh, you've got Will Myers as well uh, with the Reds, who, who ended up on a weird, cheap deal with them this offseason. About those guys that we missed, any of those feel possible to you at all? I'll just run through them all real quick. Uh, Will Myers is barely hitting over 200. Um, I can't see him getting much, if anything, back in return for the Reds. So I pile drive Will Myers into the turf there. Yeah, it's. I mean, good dude. I like Will Myers, um, but I just I don't see that happening. Um, at least not yet. Um, Aroldis Chapman has actually been like the subject of early trade interest, which is interesting to me. Um, so I guess you can't really rule anything out there. Um, I think that was kind of what the Royals had in mind when they signed them is, um, have him in the back end of their bullpen and then, um, hopefully he performs and you can end up getting a somewhat decent haul form at the deadline. Um, and that's probably happening a little bit earlier than I think they could even, even have envisioned. Um, and then we have Jack Flaherty. I don't. I can't see the Cardinals trading him um, unless like they totally like fall out of contention here. Um, And I just, I don't know. I still think um, he's a great fit for the Dodgers. I think, I mean, he's a California kid Um, makes so much sense there uh, for him to have like a bit of a homecoming there. Um, But I, I have not heard anything regarding a Jack Flaherty trade. What was the other one? Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, baby. I, that's another guy who I think is a really good fit for the Dodgers. Uh, they need a shortstop. Um, I still think their best fit for shortstop for LA would be Willie Adamas, but the Brewers have been pretty adamant, like at the in the offseason, I should say, that they weren't moving them quite yet. 
Uh, I don't know if the deadline now would be the time to do that, especially them being in first place. Can't see them wanting to do another Josh Hader-like thing and wrecking their clubhouse when they're contending. So um, I'm going to bank on on Willie Adamas not being traded. So um, maybe Tim Anderson's the guy for the Dodgers. Who knows? It's highly possible. And for as good of a fit as Flaherty is in L.A., those pesky St. Louis Cardinals are in last place, but they're closer to first place than the Yankees and Red Sox are. They're, they're six and a half games out of the Central in last place. So, um, I mean, I think we're on the same page. Are we Are we sure the Cardinals are going to go on a selling spree? Didn't, didn't they kind of save themselves in the last week or so? They're, they're in yeah. this. No, they absolutely are. And that's why I don't. I don't think they'll, they'll entertain selling, especially them being so close. I mean, you could the Brewers were in a prime spot where they could have pulled away with this thing, or even the Pirates too. Yeah, they didn't, and they let the they let the Cardinals lurk, and I think that's going to end up being one of the prime storylines um, deep into the season. And I'll, like also, um, now that I'm I'm looking at the comments here, uh, we have Gustavo Sanchez who's asking about uh, the mighty Padres. So I'll just run through his question here. Yeah. Uh, Potters and, and Hater and is also asking about Juan Soto. I would be absolutely stunned if Juan Soto didn't extend you before he had for agency. That's just not Scott Boris's MO. Um, regarding Hater, Hater is absolutely interested in doing an extension in San Diego. Um, I think they've had some conversations um, in the offseason, but that being said, as of last check, I checked about three weeks ago, I want to say, I heard nothing was cooking. So maybe something has happened like during that stretch. I don't know, but um, I would not get your hopes up there. Uh, and I have also not heard any rumblings about Grisham and Noah being optioned to the sun. Um, so <laughs> I, I figured I'd, I'll clarify that one for you. Um, and regarding Dylan Cease and Corbin Burns, we're just running through them right now. Um, Cease, he's going to end up being a very expensive starting pitcher to acquire the deadline. It's got three potential postseason runs in him um, before he becomes a free agent, which makes him extremely valuable for the white Sox. So they don't have to be in any hurry whatsoever to move him. but you got to imagine, imagine these teams are going to end up checking in on him, seeing what the price is going to be for Rick Hahn to possibly move on from him. Um, I'm going to guess he's probably not traded, but I also would not rule it out. Corbin Burns is a fascinating one. Um, that is, I don't, I, I don't think the deadline now is the time for him to move, but the off season, maybe um, that's going to be a fascinating one because he is, he's going to be due for a big contract here soon. And he recently hired Scott Boris and you know, that Boris is going to be going for top dollar. Um, I, I I think the Brewers should. I think the Brewers ultimately will follow a similar model with Burns that they did for Hater. I just that's going to be a really difficult one to sell on that fan base for sure, though. Well, there's a ton to stay in tune with in the second half. The Padres have a lot they got to get done, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still riding on my uh, beautiful three leg parlay: the Padres to win the NOS, the Cardinals to win the NL Central, and the Astros to win the AOS. I could cash out now, according to FanDuel, and get 14 cents. But I tell you what, I think I'm going to let it ride. Wait, what would you put down on it? Uh, $3. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, big spender, Mr. Mr. Adam Weiner. What were the odds on that? I'm curious. Do you know? Uh, yeah, plus five ten, three to win eighteen thirty one. Not, it's not bad, but again, I don't need fourteen cents. I really don't. No, I mean you could end up getting like, like I don't know, like a little bit of a Snickers bar, maybe like a little like something on your teeth for fourteen cents. I yeah, I, I would I tip an old man who runs a candy store down the block and, and get a couple of uh, Werther's originals. I still have a, I got five dollars and sixty cents to make if the Diamondbacks can win seventy six games, and I got ten sixty to make if they can make the playoffs. And they're currently leading the wild card. So there's that. There you go. I, I'm I'm proud. Of you. I'm rooting for you. That uh, that would be rather large for the program. So. And then, I mean, technically, I could cash out, put the 14 cents on the Diamondbacks and make some more there. But I guess I won't do that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I don't I don't I don't hate it one bit. You could end up making some serious dough on that. By the way, um, Ethan Fisher, if you had Ma- if Max Muncy was able to play the Giants the entire season, uh, I would really like that pick. Uh, that, that would be that'd be probably the lock of the century right there. Max Muncy winning the NL MVP. Yeah, Ethan Fisher right now absolutely furious at the balance schedule, checking out the Dodgers. Be like, what do you mean? It's <laughs> September? Are you kidding yeah. me? Come on, already? Yeah. But yeah, sad. Very sad. Very sad indeed. Well, more. Uh, this isn't where you come for bets. This is where you come for the baseball chat. And we hope we delivered. And I, I hope I stayed calm enough talking about the Toronto Blue Jays uh, slandering the 2022 AL MVP. Um, and then not slandering Domingo Herman, who deserved to be slandered. One is cheating. One is normal. Um, but if you want to talk to me about it, feel free to come get me at my handle at Adam Weiner. But you can come see us every Monday and Thursday, 3.30 Eastern. Next Monday, we'll be right back here talking baseball, talking the weekend. Hopefully things go nuts. Hopefully we get some extensions because there's nothing more fun than dishing on extensions, except dishing on trades, except, uh, you know, dishing on Deadline, dishing on offseason, dishing on hot stove. Um, yeah, obviously, Bernard Manoa should probably look into being the biggest cheater in baseball history. It helped Garrett Cole, and it helped Aaron Judge as well. So there's nothing wrong uh, with looking into the fine art of cheating. Uh, Robert Murray, thanks so much for talking me through this. Um, this was exactly what I was hoping it would be, and I appreciate you being here, my man. Hey, I appreciate you being here. Um, thank you for putting up with me as I was reporting that trade earlier. Um, oh, it's a fun time. Um, I, when I got that text, I read that, um, as a different name and I, like my heart just was, but still, it was good to break one on the baseball insiders. We appreciate all you guys tuning in for also for a thousand subscribers. Uh, that is something that, uh, we've been working very hard toward. Um, and all joking aside, we really appreciate it. So thank you guys very much. Yes, seriously. Uh, take the next step with the one K we promise you the content will not change we're not just gonna be rolling around in money now dumping it out of bags like scrooge mcduck we're still bringing you baseball news rumors etc thanks everybody in the comment section very active comment section today uh we could not do the show without all of you and we will be back doing this show next week monday that was just a big circle i wasn't gonna say it but yeah that was (laughs) just a big old thick circle nobody's heart looks like that we'll be back monday at 3 30 eastern for everybody Uh, Take care, y'all.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.